God's spirit isn't being poured out for a particular generation. Uh, again, for those of us over 40, the spirit of God isn't just for the old folks, for the old fogies, for those that have been churched a long time. Um, I mentioned when I went into the, the kitchen to pray with Pastor Adam and the worship team, uh, I mentioned that when, uh, before I walked into the room, that the average age in that room was probably about 25. After I walked into the room, it was considerably uh, higher. Be nice, it's church. As I was worshiping on the platform, I just took a few moments as I was watching the team lead, and it dawned on me that the average age with Adam away from the front was now in the low 20s. How old are you, Josh, 24? 24, and I know Linda's 24 because we sorted that out in the DR, yeah. And I know you guys are even younger than that, so got that covered. So your worship team today had the average age of about 22 and a half, 23. I mean, that's really good. That's healthy for us. That's really healthy for us. And, and I mean, I'm not talking about the church of tomorrow. I'm talking about the church right now. That's really healthy for us. But, but the most significant thing that's healthy about that is it's just a reminder, right, that God pours the spirit out on young people too. And so we have to remember as a church that, you know, God isn't just for us, for the older ones, but God's for everybody. And that age isn't necessarily, right, um, a restriction on God moving by his spirit. And we thank God for the gifts, the musical gifts, the vocals, the voice, the musicianship that, that the team has. But what is most important, and I would want Josh and the team to understand this, is this, right? That God's spirit is poured out abundantly on you. That the vocals are great and the musicianship is great. But what really takes a service to the next level is the ability to move with the Holy Spirit. Whether it's vocal gifts or it's a prayer time or it's, it's body ministry or it's just the sensitivity to the leading of the Spirit and in the, in the spaces between the verses and the spaces between the words that we understand that what we are looking to do is spiritually connect with God. People sometimes criticize us, and it's probably because we don't do a good enough job explaining this, where they talk about, well, we sing choruses a number of times, or there's repetition. The idea for the repetition, I think, is at least twofold. One is, uh, some of the words are really good, and you should think about it a little bit. The other thing is, too, is about, it's, it's about creating space in, in the singing of a song that you can not only just vocalize the words that are being displayed, but also take time to connect spiritually, spirit to spirit. Bible says in John, right, that those who worship him, worship him in, worship him in spirit and in truth. So there's this understanding that real spiritual worship goes beyond singing our favorite songs and hymns. It goes beyond the list of five songs. It goes beyond the list of the musicianship but there's a spirit connection that we're talking about here. That's what makes a, a, a song service or a worship service 
a great service. And the Bible says here that God wants to pour his spirit out on all people and all people doesn't just include because you got a Jewish mind frame. You got a Jewish mind frame back in these days that's very male dominated and, and tends to push towards the olders, the elders. And so Peter is telling us through the prophet Joel that God's pouring his spirit out on all kinds of people, the sons, the daughters, the young men. And for those of us that sometimes feel like we're a little old, and washed up, I like this, but the Spirit of God also pours out His Spirit on all, all old men. Now, it doesn't say old women because that's impolite, right, ladies? That's just impolite. But then it goes on to say, even on my servants, both men and women. So although it, it, it kind of focuses on the old men first, then it picks up, it corrects if you think there's an omission there, and says men and women. The idea being, like the Spirit is for all people, the spirit is for young people, the spirit is for those that might feel that they're a little bit older and like their time, their prime has passed and now we're just handing it off. It's telling you not to do that, not to hand it off necessarily, but be an active participant in what the spirit of God is doing. And then even on my servants, because again, in the Jewish mind frame, servants were less than full or whole people. God doesn't anoint servants God doesn't anoint slaves. God doesn't anoint the, low, the, the, the lower caste here. But the Bible says, well, yeah, he does. Because in the church under the new covenant, we're all one. We're just all Christ followers. We're just all people that love Jesus. And it doesn't matter the gender. And it doesn't matter the age. And it doesn't matter the vocation. That God pours his spirit out on all people. So then that connects us then to Stephen, who was one of these guys that had understood that the Spirit of God is for him as well, and God specifically anoints him with spirit wisdom in order to do the things that God is calling him to do, because it's a promise. So while you're sitting here this morning, you've got a 2,700-year-old promise that says that God is going to, and God has poured out his Spirit on you. If you're born again by the Spirit of God, you've already received the new birth, the regeneration. The only way that can happen is through the Holy Spirit. We are dead in trespasses and sins without God making us alive through the rebirth. And so that happens the moment you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Spirit of God is living within you. But then what Acts wants to do is Acts wants to take us from the new birth experience and let us know and to help us understand that there are further dimensions in the Spirit that we can go. And one of the first signs that you see beyond the day of Pentecost, where there's the tongues of fire, there's a physical sign that I don't think that we ever see again. There's the sound of a rushing mighty wind. I don't think we ever hear that, that sign again. But we do see the sign of speaking in other languages and tongues as it's sometimes referred to. It happens here. It happens in some other places as well. But then the Bible would not want you to be limited to that either. That there are, there are other things Equally important things in the spirit that God wants us to experience. But beyond that, there is just the whole life of living a spirit-filled life. Just being like Jesus. 
It's great that we have been saved. the, The Spirit of God is alive and well in us. The gifts of the Spirit are being poured out. But the Bible also reminds us about the fruit of the Spirit, about just living like, sounding like, thinking like Jesus. So I I wouldn't want you to to restrict yourself to one experience or or one dimension uh, of of just what the Spirit wants to do in your life. Don't limit yourself by saying things like this, well, I'm born again, I love Jesus, he loves me, and whether or not there's any further Spirit activity in my life, I really don't care. All I really care about is that I know I'm going to heaven. I mean, obviously that's critical, that's crucial, but... But Acts tells us, folks, and so do other New Testament books, that there's more for you. There's more, the spirit life. So Peter breaks this down for us. Things that we learn, Peter suggests that the pouring out, and pouring is such a great biblical word and expression. It's not dribbling out. It's not rationing out. It's a pouring out of the spirit. When you pour something, you better have a big cup or a container underneath because it's coming out, right? It's not just a trickle, but God is pouring out his spirit. It's a sign of the last days. God will pour his spirit out on all of us. It's through his grace. You can't earn it. And he doesn't measure it. Remember when you were a kid? And you got an allowance. If you did, not everybody does. My parents weren't big into allowances. They were big into everybody had responsibilities and those things should be done. They were big into that. But maybe some of you give your kids an allowance and, you know, it's, it's, based, on, it's based on their age. It's based on their ability to manage money. Um, sometimes it comes with criteria you got to save so much, you got to tithe so much, and then the rest is yours. It might be based on the things that you're asked to do, cut the lawn, I don't know, water the flowers, uh, trim the hedge, paint the house, whatever it is at your place. But there's usually like some thought that goes into it that we're going to give you a little, but we're not going to give you too much. We'll give you what we, you think, we think you can handle and manage, but we're not going to be extravagant with that because we wouldn't want to teach that, that it's easy money or that it's okay to blow with it. So it's, there's a lot of rules and restrictions. And this, God is just pouring out. There's no ration on this. The, the idea simply is this. If you're hungry or thirsty for God, and I think actually if we're talking pouring, the better phrase is if you're thirsty for God, God's willing to fill you up. Make room for more of God because God's got more of himself to pour into your lives. Third, the demonstration of the spirit being poured out will be this. Two people will, two times it says people will prophesy. Once it says people will have vision. Once it says people will dream dreams. And again, the emphasis on it being poured out, not rationed. Now, let me just say this uh, for those of you that think I've uh, maybe over the top. Although I don't think I've ever really been over the top, Right? I think after 20 years of pastoring, I think, I, I, I think you know that I don't have tendencies to go to extremes. People will prophesy, here isn't really speaking so much about the prophetic gift that you hear in a congregation where someone maybe gives a tongue and it's interpreted, or someone gives a prophetic word and you, you realize that that's, that's God's word, God's voice to the body and it's a spiritual gift. That could be included in here, but basically prophesy in these early chapters simply means this. That, that 
New Covenant believers will speak in a way that goes beyond their ability and their wisdom and their understanding. Pentecostal theologians would call this inspired speech. That when you speak the word of God, when you share the word of God, it's got an anointing on it. It's got an impact on it that goes beyond the natural. Inspired speech. Because Jesus is equipping them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so the idea of doing that effectively is making sure that there's spirit-inspired speech there, that there's spirit power there, that there's spirit wisdom there because we battle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and, and wickedness in high places, right? The devil, the devil is trying to thwart the work of God. The devil doesn't want unsaved people hearing the gospel clearly. Well, you can't win them over with just simply a fine-sounding argument, having all your ducks in a row theologically, but there must be spirit-inspired speech. There's gotta be an anointing of God, and you will see that time and time again in the book of Acts. People will have visions, and again, this, this is one of these things in church that some of us don't like talking about because it sounds like, ooh, a little bit X-Files out there, right? But what this is telling us is that God, again, often can speak to his people. And he does it in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets were called generally seers. And what would happen is that the prophet from the Old Testament would see something in a vision, in a dream, and then he would speak what he saw forth. For those of you that are following me in the book of Revelation, right? And there's 50 adults doing that, so it's a big chunk of this church. Those of you that are, that are following that, you know that John saw this. And then he's writing it out for us so we can read about it. But he had a vision. On the spirit, he was, uh, uh, pardon me, on the Lord's day, it says that he was in the spirit and he saw. Again, he dreams dreams, it says next. Old Testament stuff, really comfortable with that. You can go all the way back to Joseph where he had dreams and God was speaking to him about his future and what God was going to do through his life and through his family's life. These, these things, dreams and visions and inspired speech coming from Old Testament prophets and those things, they are not unfamiliar with the Bible, folks. These are biblical concepts. A lot of it has its roots in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, but these are biblical concepts and thoughts that we under the New Covenant, now with the Spirit's enablement, should become very comfortable with. These are not strange things. At least they should not be strange to us because God is pouring his Spirit out on all people. Now you might say, well, pastor, I've never experienced some of those things particularly or individually, and that may be true at this time, but it doesn't mean it can happen. It doesn't mean that it won't happen. And it doesn't mean that God may in some other way move upon you by his spirit. But the idea is to be full of God, full of the spirit, full of spirit wisdom. And that means in the activities, the things that we do, and it also, again, as dealing with the fruit of the Spirit, means that I've got a lot of God in me. Not for a big head, not that we're better than anybody else, but it is our goal to think and sound and talk like Jesus. That we have the voice of the Spirit 
guiding us. And it's the role of the Holy Spirit, we are told in the Gospels, to magnify and lift up the person of Jesus Christ. That he doesn't speak on his own. He doesn't speak about himself, but he points us to Christ. So the Spirit is being poured out. Visions and prophetic words and dreams and inspired speech. And there's, there's no suggestion of this being limited to any particular gender or age group that it's for, he is for all of us. So let me ask you this question. What's the role of the Holy Spirit in my life right now? And maybe the second to piggyback that, although it's not in the PowerPoint, is what could be. What is right now? What is the role of the Holy Spirit in my life? Do you have one? Is this something you think about? Folks, I understand you know, that we've got jobs to go to, we've got marriages to care for, we've got families to love, we've got bills to pay, we've got things at the house that need fixing. We have demands from others. And you might think, well, pastor, you know what? I don't really think about stuff like this very much because I got a whole lot of other, maybe less spiritual, but more practical things going on in my life. So I don't, I don't have time like you do to think about this. But I want to remind you that the church in the first century was a church in many ways just like ours. In this way. They had to get up and go to work too. They had things going on too. In fact, a significant part of the early church for the longest time were slaves. And they were not in control of their schedule at all. And most of them worked at least six days a week, never mind five. But nonetheless, in the midst of all of that, you see tremendous spirit activity in this fledgling, poor church. Because people were beginning to make room for the spirit as they understood that God didn't, God, that God didn't want them to think of him as somewhere way off out there or somewhere tucked talk behind a curtain in the temple, but that they were the naos, they were the temple of God, and God was alive and well in them, and that they should do as much as they could to encourage the activity of the spirit in their life, because what we will find out that the spirit of God is not just good for Sunday morning, 10.30 to noon, but the Holy Spirit is good 24-7 in our lives. And we often don't think that way. We compartmentalize our spirituality and we say there are certain places and suggest to you that because we are temples of the Holy Spirit and he goes with us all of the time and the Spirit of God can be active in our life all of the time, that we need to make room for him at work. And we need to make room for him in our homes. And we need to make room for him in our leisure time and in our times when we're in the malls or in the grocery stores or at the gas station. That any time can really be a spirit time if we are truly led of the spirit, filled with the spirit, have the spirit wisdom in us. God didn't come to put his spirit in you solely to save you, solely to seal you for what's about to happen down the road. But he wants you to actively engage him and allow the spirit of God like a river to keep moving through your lives. 
Let me ask you another question. It's not on the PowerPoint, just simply in my notes. But, and, and you don't have to look at me. You don't have to look at anybody. But answer this question as honestly as you can while you're sitting here this morning. Do you feel the Holy Spirit's activity moving and ministering in you on a daily basis? Because God is pouring out his spirit on all people, young and old, men and women, and regardless of your status in life. Once we've been saved, we know we have the Holy Spirit living in us, as I said earlier. This passage from Joel and repeated by the writer, who is Luke in the book of Acts, is directing us to the Holy Spirit and understanding that he wants to move in our lives all day long, all year long. January is the month of exercising commercials and weight loss programs. I tell you, I've watched every exercise advertisement that I possibly could so far, and I feel I'm in great shape. They have Weight Watcher programs now that are telling you that it's not just about the physical, it's about the psychological. Noom? Noom, I didn't look it up. I don't know what it means. But apparently it's about fix it up here and it'll take care of your habits. Again, that's all the detail I know. So don't send me an email saying, Brent, you don't really understand it because I agree with you. Brent, I don't really understand it. But I've seen the advertisement. The issue that we always face in, in, in January, maybe all year round, right? It's Coach Potato. You seen the little picture? And I had Adam to do a graphic of me for the next one. He's a good artist. Missed the head a little bit. People would tell you in my family, I got a bigger head than that. Just, you can sort that out. As much as I enjoy the spirit of God moving in our, our worship gatherings. And I think it's important that that happens. Um, it's important that it happens while we're together because I think they are weekly reminders uh, that God is alive and well in our church. You can come and sing songs and you can pray out loud and you can give in the offering plate. You can hear a sermon And that can have and should have a supernatural touch. But it can also not have that. But when you hear and see people working through the gifts of the Spirit, or you hear musicians or pastors or lay people praying and you sense an anointing, or you hear a prophetic word, or you hear a tongue that is interpreted, or you talk about how someone has been saved or God has healed them. They are all active reminders that God is alive and well. And we need to be reminded of that weekly. Every Sunday we gather, we need to be reminded of that. Or it becomes just a, I go to church, that's what I do. And what the Bible is telling us in the book of Acts in Acts chapter two, verses 17 and 18, is that's possible not only on Sundays, but the activity of the Lord is possible in our lives, again, all day long, all week long, as the spirit leads and as the spirit moves. The Holy Spirit was given to us, not just to regenerate us, but to empower us. Don't limit God to who and how the Holy Spirit can move in your life. 
regardless of what your theological background is, young men, young women, servants, old men, and in case you thought that God forgot someone, all people, even on my servants, no limitation, no restriction on who can have the activity of the Holy Spirit in their lives, that we are to be full of the Spirit in every part of our being. The Apostle Paul tells us, and let me just jump from Acts for a minute and move you to the Apostle Paul because I think it's important to, to complete the thought here. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Galatians, he challenges us to walk in the Spirit, to keep in step with the Spirit, and to be led with the Spirit. In those particular cases, he's talking about that day-to-day -day walk with God. It's not really so much about spiritual gifts while the body is functioning or trying to do something for the kingdom. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians that we are to keep on being filled with the Spirit. In other words, it's not just a one-time thing, but we're to constantly keep on being filled with the Spirit. In the Greek there, it's written in this way, that we are passive responders to the Holy Spirit. We say to God, I am available. God fills us with the Spirit. It isn't something we struggle for. It is, here I am, God, fill me up. But the, the, the passivity is positive in this sense. We're saying, I'm willing to be filled up. I just understand I can't fill myself up. So we are reminded to be constantly filled with the Spirit of God. The Apostle Paul, again, in Galatians chapter 5, tells us to continue to grow in the fruit of the Spirit that we might not live towards things that are fleshly, things that are negative, things that hide Christ in us. And of course, as I've already talked about here in Acts, we've been told about the gifts of the Spirit but they are also written about in books like Romans and Corinthians and some other places. These multiple passages tell us that the Holy Spirit should be and can be a part of every aspect of our lives because God is pouring out his spirit. He began 2,000 years ago and he continues to do so. There's this wonderful passage in the Gospel of John in John chapter seven. I have the illustration there for you this morning. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts. I understand the context is about looking to God to save you. The new birth. I get that. That's the context of it all. Uh, John as a writer hasn't really, at this stage in his writing, hasn't... Uh, kind of jumped into the deeper waters of the Holy Spirit like he will in John 13, 14, and 15. But, there, but there, is, there is this emphasis that regardless of how God does it or how you begin by the, the new birth, that if you're thirsty for God, he'll fill you up. There's that passive response again. If you are, he will. If you're not, he can't. More of the spirit, if I could word it this way, so that you'll get away from thinking just fruit of the spirit or gifts of the spirit. More of the spirit means more of the life flow of God in you. And how many of us wouldn't want more of that? 
How many of us wouldn't want more of the life flow of God? Not just Sunday morning, but tomorrow morning at nine o'clock at work when you've got the office meeting with a boss or with employees that maybe you're less than thrilled with. Or if you're a teacher and you've got students, but some of them you're less than thrilled with. Or if you're running your business and you've got a client that you're currently dealing with, it's very demanding, very particular, hovers over you, looks over your shoulder, and you're less than thrilled with? How many of you are in a home where it's difficult, it's challenging, and the life flow of God would be so important to you being whole and the home being whole? Who of us wouldn't want more of the life flow of God in us? I just can't see any reason why any one of us wouldn't say this morning, I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life because he is going to magnify Christ in me and he is going to give me the gifts and the fruit that I need to do every day of the Lord well. If you wish to have inspired speech, if you wish to prophesy, if you wish to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, if you want to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, if you want to keep in step with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, be led in the Spirit, you must make yourself available for the Spirit to interact with you. I'm almost done. Um, I meant to bring my iPhone with me today. I forgot. Well, I forgot it in my office. I have an iPhone 6SE outstanding five, six, seven-year-old piece of technology. Um, it's got a limited uh, memory in it, a limited space. So now with my apps, because I have a lot of them, um, they only work when I have Wi-Fi or data on because there's no room to like just load them to store them, right? And when I take pictures now, I have to delete a lot, a lot of them. Just so you know, do you have your phone, honey? Just so you know, my wife has an iPhone 11. I have a 6SE. Merry Christmas, Karen. The point is, and you're wondering, right, Ed? Just like Bible study, eh? Just like Bible study. The point is this. I have no room on my phone for any more of anything. And I don't mind spending money on other people. My wife, I hate spending money on me. How many of you can relate to that? I bet you a lot of us, right? So I will get an iPhone 11 in 2025. It'll be awesome. I have no room to put more things on my phone. Some of us are so filled up with so many other things, we have no room right now to ask for more of God. because we got a whole lot of other stuff going on. So my suggestion is, as we're winding this down, is I would encourage you to free up some storage space for God. But again, we're not storing pictures. 
We're making room for the Holy Spirit in our lives in order to do something active, in order to do something positive. I've got this up there for you, eight ways to free up storage space. Just so you know, it's just, I just stole the, the picture off the internet, right? I don't really have eight ways. It just makes my point. Some of us need to figure out some ways to create some, some space for God. Um, and that goes right back to just kind of every day, just taking time for God, right? Just, just a regular, I read my Bible, I take some time to pray. I take some time to think about what I've been praying about, what I've been reading. I take some time to worship. I just take some time for God. And then I, I make some time to do something for God. Whether it's part of the church programming or it's just something that you're doing out on your own for the kingdom of God, but that you're taking time to do that. Because we know that in the 21st century, the best thing that we can tell people to impress them is that we're B-U-S-Y. We love that. I would do that, but I'm too. Makes us feel important. You know, thank God nobody ever presses us with that. Hey, we're busy doing what? Thank God they don't normally do that. But we need to create some space for the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Sometimes to add something new, you've got to get rid of something old. Just like my iPhone 6SE. We uh, had a birthday party for my son on uh, Friday, Friday night at uh, the Rainforest Cafe in Michigan. And I didn't take any pictures because I don't have any room for them. And I know the rest of my family will capture that for me anyways. But if I wanted to do that, I'd have to delete something else. Let's just hope we're deleting the right things to make room for the right things. Sometimes to add something new, you've got to get rid of something old or something less necessary, perhaps even something unhelpful or even destructive to your life. You have to make room for the spirit to move in your life. And in order to do that, some of us just need an intentional invitation and others need to delete some things to create space. I don't know if you have eight ways to create space, but hopefully we've all got a little bit of room to create space. Empty yourself and let God fill you. Empty yourself doesn't mean that, that you're emptied of your interests. It doesn't mean that you're emptied of your intellect. It doesn't mean that you're emptied of, of some of life's priorities. But there, it's about creating space for the Spirit of God in our lives. That's what it's talking about in Ephesians 5.18, where he says, keep on being filled with the Spirit. One of the phrases that I love to use, I probably overworked it, but I found this out when I was really sick 10 years ago, and I was praying lots and reading lots of Scripture, but I still felt myself overcome with anxiety from time to time. I realized a really important thing about my life is I leak. And what I poured into me 10 years ago isn't necessarily here today. And what I found out back in 2010, the sum of the stuff that I poured into my life on Monday had leaked by Tuesday. And if I didn't get back into the word and if I didn't get back into prayer the very next day to pray about some of those things, I was really, really anxious. And folks, when I say really, really anxious, I mean at that time I thought I had cancer because the test said I did. 
And I was anxious. I leaked. And I want you to know that it was an astounding moment in my life as a minister of the gospel at that time for 25 years. It was an astounding discovery that I leaked because pastors don't leak. Maybe out of the eyes, but nowhere else. And it was shaking to me to recognize that what I had put in me yesterday was gone today because I was anxious. And don't you dare quote Philippians 4, 6, and 7 to me because I know it backwards and forwards and inside and out. But I leaked. We sometimes wave scriptures like they're magic wands and we claim it like it's, as long as I say it out loud long enough, somehow or another, it stays in here or it stays up there. It doesn't all the time. We need to keep on being filled with the Spirit, with his word. Because I'm thinking this, pardon me for a minute of arrogance here. I'm thinking if your pastor leaks, you leak too. Because I know I have the advantage of spending a lot more time than many of you do. And I'm pretty good at taking advantage of that time. So I don't say that arrogantly. I say that humbly. I'm just saying, folks, I can relate. This isn't just for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. We all need to keep on being filled with the Spirit. Final passage, Matthew 6, 33. I love the way it says this in the modern versions. They're just paraphrase. This isn't Greek for Greek here. Chase after God and everything else you need will chase after you. You know what that is, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Chase after God and everything else you will need will chase after you. Seek first his kingdom. So this morning, today, I wanna give you an opportunity for those of us that leak to spend some time with God, inviting the Spirit to freshen us up, to deepen and empower Him for your lives. The church, it's at its best when? The church, it's at its best when we encourage people to be full of the Holy Spirit. Would you stand with me, please?